Like Steve, Steve and Catherine are, are going, their Sunday school class has, has gone over to uh, Waco today to work with the people at the church under the bridge and to provide some food for them. And it's a real ministry for them. And so that's where, where some of our folks are that uh, you might be used to seeing in this service. They've, uh, they're part of that Sunday school class. They've gone over there. It's a tremendous. Uh, that, that ministry is a tremendous ministry. It's certainly a ministry that uh, my wife and I have been supporting for years. And uh, I know that uh, many of you support that ministry, and we're just uh, glad that they're doing that. But we miss them. Uh, but the Lord will, the Lord will uh, take care of them, and the Lord will take care of us as well. I want us to look today at uh, John chapter 11, chapter 11 of John. And this is a passage that we normally uh, would use uh, at Easter time, uh, maybe during Lent, but... Uh, Lent and Easter time, we normally would use this passage. I just felt like, uh, given the situation we're all in right now, all that we're dealing with, this was something that uh, that God laid on my heart to share with you today, and that's what I want. That's what I want to do. Uh, John chapter 11, and it's a long passage. Um, I uh, want to be sure that. I, uh, we get you out sometime around noon. So for that reason, I have cut it, cut this into two two sermons, two two weeks, and uh, we actually need the two weeks for for this sermon. Usually, I don't I don't like to do that. I like to get everything that I'm trying to say uh, into one week, and the reason I do that is because folks don't always remember what we say. And I've said to you before, if you remember anything, Pastor says that's a good thing. And uh, uh, so, but anyway, I think it's best for us to divide this. It's a great passage, and I just want to study the passage this morning. Is what I want to do with you. Uh, we've already had a prayer, but I want to ask you to bow with me again in prayer just for a moment, please. Thank you, Lord, for your love. We pray for those who have gone to minister today over in Waco and Church on the Bridge and those homeless people. I just pray, Heavenly Father, you bless them, bless that ministry. And I pray you'll bless us. And I pray that you'll speak to us today in our hearts and in our, in our souls. In our hearts and in our souls that you'll preach to us and help us uh, know uh, your presence with us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is the seventh sign in the Gospel of John. And uh, I have a little problem with the sound system. I hope you stay with me. Just, just try to ignore that and listen, please. Um, we're uh, this is the seventh sign in John. There are seven signs, and John builds his. Uh, we're studying this on Wednesday night, by the way. We're we, uh, studying John, and um, we're going uh, to study through the book. We uh, are coming next Wednesday night to study the first sign. There are actually seven miracles that uh, that Jesus did. That uh, John builds his gospel around seven signs. And seven I am statements. Many of you know that. We'll this is we'll come in a little bit to the fifth I am statement. So that's where we are here with this particular sign. This is the crowning sign. Although really, those of you who uh, been with us on Wednesday night and you've uh, read my uh, Bible study that I put out, the outline that I put out, there are really eight signs because the the crowning sign is Christ's res resurrection Himself. But we're dealing this morning with uh, the seventh sign, which is the top sign out of those seven. And it's a very familiar story to you, but I hope as we look at it, we could gain some insight from it uh, today. 
Is it going to be better if I just take this off and try to talk? Okay. Verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. One of the things that we see in this story from the very beginning is the, the interest in detail. John just gives us a tremendous interest in detail. He, he, the details that he provides for us leave no doubt that this is, this is a, the, uh, an authentic uh, part of the gospel. And leave no doubt about the authenticity of the story, which, which has been very important. He just gives these details. Mary, of course, uh, was the one who uh, did this in chapter 12, which is the next chapter over after this particular chapter. So he, he's going to give us these details as we go through the service, uh, through the passage. And I want, you to, I want you to sort of pick up on it. Verse 3 says, So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Um, the word for love there is the word phileo. It's a very strong word. And this particular word is a word from a brother to a brother or a sister to a sister. The one that you're close to as to a brother, he's sick. And uh, this is just this is just the statement, just laying it out. One of the things that we learn a great deal from this story is how to pray and how to seek God's face. And she be, it begins here, uh, Lord, the one you love is sick. I'm reminded of chapter two, uh, uh, it, the, the story of the changing of the water in the wine at the wedding ceremony when they ran out of wine. Uh, Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, just came to him, and she said, please, she didn't say, please give them more wine or anything like that. She said, they've run out of wine. That's what she said. She just laid it there with him. You see, very often when we pray, we want to tell God how to answer us. And if we're not careful, we'll say, Lord, answer me by doing this and that and the other. And if you don't, if you don't do this and that and the other, then I don't feel like you've answered my prayer. But what I have learned in terms of prayer through through uh, many years of trying to study the Word and try to live with this stuff, uh, one of the things that I've learned is the best thing we can do is we can bring our requests to God and lay them at His feet. And I often pray that way. Lord, uh, you know, we've got requests over people, and uh, we know you know far better than, than I do what's best. And therefore, Lord, I just want to bring this to you and lay it at your feet and ask you to do what's best in this particular situation because we know sometimes if God gave us sometimes if God gave us the things we asked for it would not end up so well and we feel we come to a point later on where we, we feel like well, well I'm thankful Lord that you didn't answer my prayer like I wanted you to but you took care of me in some other way and so I think that, that this is an important beginning point you know the one that you love is sick just bring it to him let him know about the situation now we're going to find out later that Martha and Mary had, they had specific things they wanted him to do when they prayed this, but they didn't ask for those specific things. And um, what they did was they just brought it and laid it at his feet. Uh, Lord, the one that you love is, is sick. Uh, this is what I call the introduction to the chapter. And the way that I've divided the chapter up is uh, Jesus and his conversation with the disciples, and then Jesus and his conversation with Martha, and then Jesus and his conversation with with Mary, and then the results. And so verses 4 through 16 deal with his uh, 
his conversation with Martha or his interchange with Martha. Verse 4, when Jesus heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. The words are important. The words are important. And he does not say that Lazarus won't die. What he says is, this will not end in death. And a lot of times we, we pray, we think, well, well, you know, if God doesn't give me exactly this, exactly like I wanted, then God hadn't answered my prayer. No, that's not, always, that's not always the truth. Many times the Lord is dealing with it, and he's dealing with it in a way that's best in terms of his ministry and what he's doing in the world, and what it's best in terms of our lives and what we need in the world. And, and this is part of the trust we've got to place in God. We've got to place this kind of trust in him. And so he says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. When does sickness or death glorify God? This is a question that, that we probably at some point in our lives as, as believers, we should ask ourselves this question. When does sickness or death glorify God? In this case, God was glorified by what happened. And the son, Jesus, was glorified by it happened. But we had to get to the end of the story in order to see that. We have to get to the end of what happened in order to be able to see this clearly. And so, uh, you know, God, uh, Jesus was concerned about uh, Lazarus. He was concerned about Mary and Martha. But he also was concerned about glorification for God. And he also was concerned about following God's plan for himself and for his life, things that we need to remember. Verse 5, it says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And the word for love here is the word uh, agapao. We usually, when we talk about it, we usually say it's the word agape. But agapao is the, the verb form of, of this word. And, and what this means is uh, he loved them with a love that only God could have, a love that goes out and goes out and does not have to have anything in return for it this love that goes out. And, and the point that I would make to you is uh, the way he acts in the beginning of this story makes you wonder. But when, when we pray and when we ask God, there's so many lessons in the story. The reason I want to take time to go through it, so many lessons in the story. When we pray and we want God to answer us in a particular way, you know, and, and we don't get the answer we ask for because so many times we're telling God what we want him to do. Uh, you know, uh, we don't get the particular answer that we're asking for we think, well, God, don't you love us? Don't you care about us? And the point is made in this particular passage is, you know, whether we get the answer we want or not, that doesn't change the fact of his love for us. And many times there's a reason why, as there is in this case, and sometimes out there we find out the reason why. To be very honest with you, sometimes we don't find out the reason why. And this is where trust and faith come in. And we must believe, we must trust. And we must look to, to, to God and trust Him that He loves us. Trust His love. Trust His love. There was a song out several years ago, when, I, when you don't understand, trust His love. And this is, this is what we must do. So He loved them. He loved them, very clear. Uh, verse 6. So when He heard He loved them, so when He heard that Lazarus was sick, He stayed where He was two more days. <laughs> Well, Lord, I want you to answer this. And this is really important. And Lord, you need to answer me right now. And the Lord waits. The Lord waits. 
And sometimes the Lord waits because he's got something better for us out there in the future. And sometimes he waits because it's a matter of timing. He, the, the timing is important for how he answers questions. Have, have you ever made a, a prayer list? I live with prayer lists. I always I have for years. But if, if you have it, I would advise you to do so. You don't need 25 things on that prayer list, but you need a prayer list. And, and uh, what has happened is I, I, I use it for a year and they'll put it back and come up with another prayer list. That's the way I, that's the way I personally do it. And, and sometimes I go back and look over those prayer lists and I'll find how many answers God has given me to those after I put the prayer list up. You see, he doesn't necessarily answer it right away. Timing is important to God. And there are things important to God that, that, that are involved. There were things important to, to Jesus and what God wanted Jesus to do that was important. And it was not for lack of love that he, that he didn't answer that right now. Uh, verse 7 said, Then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews were, were, were there trying to stone you. Yet you want to go back? Now, if you've got your Bible open there, if you look back at chapter 10, verse 27, no, excuse me, verse 31, you'll see that after that great, that great message that he gave us about how, how he was uh, uh, the good shepherd, Jesus was the good shepherd. And, uh, you know, the great passage, verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them, they follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one will say. That, that great, great sermon, they, it ended up with them trying to stone him. And this was just a few, just a little while before. And so the disciples say, Lord, think about this. They just tried to kill you the last time you were there, and that hadn't been very long. You want to go back there again? And Jesus' response to this is, is uh, really interesting. In verse 9, he says, Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's eye. That's, that's an idiomatic statement. And what he is saying in the, that is we must do what God wants us to do when we have the opportunity to do it. This is the opportunity. Have you ever... Have you ever had something to do, maybe something in your yard or something with a family or something like that, and, and, and you, you know, this day came, and uh, you, could, you could go out and take care of it today, but you don't feel like it for whatever reason. And you say, well, I'm going to wait a while. I'm going to wait. And then, uh, you know, the next day stuff comes up, and you're not able to get it. The next day stuff comes up, and you're not able to do it. And so you, you, end, up, you end up saying, well, I should have done this back when I had the opportunity. That's the point. And that's the walking in the daylight. He uses that, uh, that, that reference back in chapter 9, verse 4. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him that sent me. Night's coming when no one can work. Now, you've got to remember, they didn't have the great kind of artificial lights that we have. Uh, what they had was they had a lamp or a candle, a lamp or a candle, or maybe a torch. And this was the light they had at night. It was not as easy to get that work done as it was in the natural day when you had the natural light. And so he said, we've got to take advantage of the opportunity. We've got to work while we can. Yes, it may cost something to go back. And of course, Jesus was well aware of what it would cost to go back. We must, it may cost something to go back, but we've got to do it because we've got to take advantage of this opportunity of work while we've got the opportunity to do it. And so this is what he's trying to teach them about not putting things off. When a per it is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After this, verse 11, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Now, I can't 
pass up this particular passage without talking about the metaphors in the New Testament for death. In the New Testament, in the Bible, the whole Bible, but especially in the New Testament, there are certain metaphors for death. When Jesus talked about his death, he talked about his departure. When Paul in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 to 8, that great passage, you know, I'm now ready to be offered in the time of my departure. The time of my departure is at hand. And he's talking about his death. And he speaks about his death in this metaphorical way, using the term departure. And the actual term that, that he uses is a term where, you, where, you, where a, a ship uh, loses its lines from the shore and floats off and to, in order to go to the, to the destination that it's going to go to. And he says, it's time for me to leave this shore and go to another shore. And that's, that's a metaphor. Another metaphor is moving. And it talks about moving. In Second Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul talks about if this tent, this earthly tent that we're, we're in is torn down. Talking about his body. If this earthly tent is torn down, we have an eternal building built, built, in, built uh, by God in heaven. And we, we you know, we, to be absent from this body is to be what? Present with the Lord. And so it talks about moving, moving from, from one spot to another. I, I can't tell you how many times I've used that particular uh, thought in, in a funeral. Uh, uh, so another, he uses the term sleep. Of course, he uses the term uh, departure, he uses the term moving. And I can't, I can't pass this term sleep without thinking of what Peter Marshall, the great preacher of another day, what Peter Marshall, the way he explained it to a young boy who said, what happens when I die? And, and Peter Marshall said, well, have you ever gone to sleep in the living room? Perhaps you're in there with your parents or something, and you go to sleep on the couch, and then your, your parents come, and they lift you up, and they take you into the bedroom, and when you wake up, you're in your bed in your bedroom. And he said, that's the way it is. You go to sleep. The Lord comes and gets you, and that's what Jesus promises to do in the, uh, in the 14th chapter of John. Uh, you know, I will come and receive you to myself. You come and he gets you and he takes you into your heavenly home. When you wake up, you're in your heavenly home. It's a beautiful picture. But I can't, I can't talk about the sleep idea with, without uh, passing on that. But in this case, he says he's asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing the whole time. His plan was real. His plan was full. He knew what he was going for. He knew what was going to happen. He knew that the waiting would make that happen and everything else. And, and he was following through and, and following the plan that, uh, that, that the Father had given to him. In verse 12, his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. You see, they were not on the same page with the Lord. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. He's dead, physically dead. Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad, he says, for your sake. For your sake. He's talking to his disciples. And he said, I'm glad this happened for your sake. Because his disciples were going to see what he could do and what he was capable of doing. And his disciples would believe in him. Over in the second chapter, uh, when he turns the water to wine, the last verse of that particular story in that, in that chapter says, his disciples believed on him. Folks, it's important that the disciples believe. It's important that we who are disciples believe in God. 
it's important that we who are disciples believe in what God can do. Now, I spent a lifetime trying to work with Christian people in churches, and I can tell you there's a lot of people in churches that they have they've wanted some kind of miracle to happen and it didn't happen, and so they no longer believe in, that the miracles really happened. And uh, it's important to, it was important to Jesus that his disciples believe. And I believe it's important to Jesus today that his disciples believe. You see, we get, somewhere down the line, we didn't get an answer to prayer. Maybe we didn't get an answer to two or three prayers. At least we didn't get the answer we wanted in two or three prayers. And so, you know, we'd say, well, we got to take care of it. We can't, we can't trust God to take care of it. I mean, we, don't, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't dare say that. But we act that way. And we think that way. And it's really important that we who are disciples believe. We believe that, that, that he still is in control. We talk about him being in control. We believe that he's in control. We believe that he's king of kings and lord of lords. We believe that he's the savior of the world. We believe that there's a purpose in his coming. And we believe that if we can give our lives to him, we will live in eternal life. It's important, folks, that we believe. That's exactly what he said. I'm glad, he says, for your sake. For their sake. For the disciples' sake. He's not even talking about Mary and Martha at this particular point. He's talking about the disciples. I'm glad for your sake that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, or twin, said to him, the rest of the disciples, let's also go that we may die with him. That's a negative statement, but it's a very powerful statement. Uh, Thomas sort of he gets a rough edge sometimes in our attitude because he was the one that when Jesus, uh, you know, was resurrected himself, he said, well, I won't believe unless I can touch him. Remember that? And so we think, well, we call him doubting Thomas. Well, let me tell you, in this particular case, he was not doubting Thomas. He was courageous Thomas. He says, yes, we're going to follow him. And yes, we'll follow him even if it means our death. It, it, it's closely akin, it's not exactly, but it's closely akin to what the three Hebrew children were saying when they said, you know, O king, live forever. We know that our God can deliver us from the fiery furnace, but even if he does not, we will still trust him. And this is closely akin to that, 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 that kind of courage. And if we're going to be followers of Christ, we need, we, there are times when we need that courage. You know, I'm going to follow you, Christ, even if. I'm going to follow you. Uh, I cannot tell you how many times through the years I've tried to, try to encourage some young pastor by saying, You've got, you know, it's tough. You have a hard time, but you've got to continue to follow him. Well, what if it doesn't work out? You need to follow him anyway. And that's what it is for all of us disciples. We need to follow him. Verses 17 through 27 has to do with his conversation with Martha. Verse 17 begins on his arrival. Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, that's one of those important details, four days. Back in those days, they thought somebody could be resuscitated after three days. The fact that it was four days is very important. It's important to John as he, as he writes it. It's important to those who read it. It should be important to us today. In other words, he was really physically dead. And uh, that, that's, that's, that's key to the story. And it's one of those details that's important. Bethany was less than two months. All these details. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, 
Many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of her brother. It was a natural thing, culture of that day. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Mary stayed at home. Now, I like the story as far as Martha's concerned, because I've always felt like Martha got a bad rap in the story in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 and following, where, you know, she's trying to, trying to serve, and she's asking God to help tell Mary to stop serving, and, and, and the, Lord said, the Lord said, well, Mary's chosen a better thing. I've often thought that Martha got a, a bad rap. So I like this story because it sort of writes that, because Martha is the central character in this particular story. And um, she's, a, she's a woman of faith, and we're going to see this as we, as we work through here, a woman of, of real faith. Uh, verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's this interesting statement, because it will be mirrored by Mary, up in verse 32, she says the same word, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And it's mirrored again in verse 37, where even the onlookers, all those people who had come, they said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? You hear what they're saying? Lord, if you just answered a prayer like we asked you, if you just come when we called you, you'd have taken care of this and everything would be okay. Have you, ever, have you ever talked to God that way? Now, you don't, have to, you don't have to hold up your hand or something, but I'm asking you a serious question. You just said, Lord, if you'd just done what I asked you to do, we wouldn't be going through all this. A couple of you shake your head. You know what I'm talking about. If you'd just done what we asked you, Lord, we wouldn't have to go through all this. It's, uh, I think to some extent, we're always, all of us there in our prayers. And it's, it's, it's not easy as we, as we deal with this in our own prayer life. It's not always easy to face, face this. Uh, there's a, there was a movie several years ago called Bruce Almighty. And this was a crazy movie. It was a comedy. It was a crazy movie. And this guy was given uh, almighty power for, for a limited amount of time. And because he was given almighty power, well, he wanted to impress his girlfriend. If you saw the movie, you'll remember this. He wanted to impress his girlfriend. And so he saw a beautiful moon, and he made that moon draw very near to her, and her heart went flutter, flutter, you know, and only she was impressed. But he found out a day later when God showed up to talk to him, he found out that when he did that, all these people on the other side of the planet had died because of the waves that came when the moon moved. I don't want to. I, I I don't want to be uh, too straightforward here. I don't want to say the wrong thing. But folks, our world rotates around us, and all we can think about is those things that happened to us. All we can think about really is those things that happened to us. But God actually has a whole world to take care of, and He's got people all over this world. He's got genuine believers all over this world, all over this world, on the other side of the world, on the other side of the globe, in, in, in countries that, that, that we think are terrible and everything else. There are believers in those countries, genuine believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, has, you know, he's worried about all the people, and he's worried about all the stuff. 
And while he's, he cares about us and he knows our name and he cares about us as individuals, he also cares about other people. And he's not likely to do something that helps us if it hurts somebody somewhere else. You see, God really is God. And he's not, he's not just our personal God. He is our personal God, but he's also God of people everywhere around the world. And we need to, we need to always know when we call out to God, you know, uh, that if he doesn't give us exactly what we ask him for, there may be a good reason. There may be a good reason that touches other people's lives. There may be a good reason that touches the kingdom and touches what God is trying to do in the world, like in this case. And there also may be a very good reason for us personally. How many times have you prayed for something? Lord, Lord, give me this. Lord, just please give me this. Lord, I need this. Please give me this. I need this in, in such a way. And you didn't get it. And you found out later that you were glad you didn't get it. You see, God cares. He cares about us. He acts always in love. But he also cares about other people. He cares about the plan of God in the world. And he also cares about our future in the end. Go, you can go all the way back to what, what Jesus said in the beginning. This story will not end in death. Here's, a, here's a, a person that's having a real problem in their job. And they're facing a real crisis in their job. And they're thinking, they're thinking I may lose my job over this if it doesn't go well. Lord, protect me in this. And, and realize later on that that wasn't the end that God had something better out there for that person. What God had for, for Martha and Mary was certainly something better. If you had been there, my brother wouldn't have died. And then she shows that she's a woman of faith. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Tremendous, tremendous faith. I know that you are the one who speaks the words of God. I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Now, she's like, Martha's like a lot of us. At one, she's a tremendous woman of faith. And at one point, she, she's full of this faith. I know, God, that you can take care of it. But the next moment, if you, if you look down in the story, verse 39, where he tells him to take away the stone, he says, oh, Lord, don't take away the stone. He already stinks. And that's the way we are sometimes. We fluctuate. We fluctuate between faith and unfaith. We fluctuate between belief and doubt. And we fluctuate back and forth. It's a part of life. And what we must do is hang on, hang on to that faith. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And she said, I know he'll rise again at the resurrection at the last day. Her belief was very strong. In those days, there was, you know, in the Jewish religion at that particular time, there were those who did not believe in, in life after death. They believed that when you die, it's just all over. And there were those who did believe in life after death. And she showed herself to be standing with those who believe in life after death. I know that he'll be okay. He'll rise again in the resurrection. And then Jesus gives the fifth I, I am statement here, verses 25 and 26. Now, you remember that, that when back in Exodus 3, when Moses, God was going to send Moses down to Egypt to lead them out of, out of captivity, you remember that Moses said, 
who shall I say sent me? And God gave his name to Moses. Remember that? And what was his name? I am. I am sent you. And that became, that became the name of God. I am sent you. And Jesus in John 8, 58 said, before Abraham was, I am. And they understood that he was claiming to be God. And so they picked up stones to, to stone him on that day because they thought it was blasphemy because they understood he was claiming to be God. And there are seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. And this is, this is one of those statements. It's the fifth I am statement. And I also want to tell you this. I believe, as far as comfort goes, for those who die in the Lord, I believe these are the, the most comforting words in the entire New Testament. It's my personal belief. They're the most comforting words in the entire New Testament. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. It's a double negative. Never, never die. Very strong word, double negative. Whoever lives by believing in me will never, never die. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will leave, live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never, never die. Um, there's no way that we can limit the pain and the grief that we face when we lose a loved one. No way. And there are many of us that have lost friends and loved ones in this uh, in this. Uh, time of COVID-19. Many of us have. And there's no way to remove the grief that we feel. We feel the loss of our personal relationship. We feel the loss of, of this loved one that means so much to us. And, and, and all kinds of death, by the way. We, there's no way to limit the grief that we feel. But it is true that if they belong to Jesus Christ, they're okay. They're okay. We may need God's help to be okay ourselves, but they're okay. And that's true. Marilyn Willard Hevelin, in her book, When Your Dreams Die, and you may know this book, and I told her in the early service, I may have told you this story before, but even if I did, you wouldn't remember it, so I'm going to tell you again. Uh, their son Nate died. He was 17 years old, died in a car wreck. And she didn't get to talk to him before he died. And she was concerned about his, life, about his security with God. And so she prayed to God, God, let me know that he's okay. And in a dream one night, she felt definitely it was an answer to her prayer. Nate came and stood at the foot of her bed and held out his hands and said, Mom, I'm okay. Don't worry about me. And folks, if your loved ones, if they know Christ as their Lord and Savior, they would say the same thing to you today. The very same thing. I'm okay. Don't worry about me. We've still got to go through our grief process. We've still got to face the loss. Yes. But they're okay. They're with God. And that is vitally, vitally important to us. They're okay with God.
We have to deal with our grief, our loss. It's not easy. My mother died over 30 years ago, and I feel like it was yesterday. Could have been yesterday in my own life. It's not easy. But we must deal with that loss ourselves, and God will help us. But they are okay. If they're, now, now there's an if. There's an if. And that's if we believe. If they are a believer. If they know Christ. If they're a part of the kingdom. If they're part of the family of God. That's the if. That's a very important if. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of God be lifted up, that whoever believes in him uh, will not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes is not condemned, but he that does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. We must be believers. Now, folks, I know, preaching this crowd, people that will come out, uh, you know, in the middle of this, this uh, virus thing. I know, preaching this crowd, I'm probably preaching to the choir. I realize that. I'm probably, without a doubt, preaching to the choir. But I want you to know. I want you to know. And I want you who are, are with us on Facebook, I want you to know that you must become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. You must receive Christ as Savior. You must ask Christ to come into your heart. In order to claim these promises, in order to claim this wonderful promise here, you must ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and make you a child of God. You must commit your life to Christ. There must be a genuine committal of your life to Christ. And that's important. We're going to have a time of... of uh, decision here in just a moment. And here, we're going to stand and we're going to have some music. And we're going to ask you, if you need to come talk to us, to please come talk to us. But for just a moment, I'd like to talk to the people who are with us on Facebook. We've got a good group of people that join us on Facebook. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, call us, get in touch with us, email us, let us know somehow that we can help you come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Or if you need to make that decision, you know what to do, you just haven't done it. And today, open your heart and ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. And for all of you here, if you have not ever done that, today, open your heart. Open the door to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask Him to come into your life. And then you can claim this kind of promise. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never, never die. That's the promise. And we believe it. That's the promise. Let's stand. We're going to have the music. Uh, Steve's gone, and we're just going to have music today and give you a chance to make a decision. If you want to come forward, please come and talk to me. But you don't have to talk to me. It's not about talking to me. This is about getting right with God. And by the way, you can do it where you are. You don't have to come. But if God is leading you, you come. And if not, make that decision right where you are. Do it right now. 